Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 37 of Jordan Drew, the Sports Crew, live recording once again. The boys are back in town. Thanksgiving, is this our technically our Thanksgiving episode or would next week be? Uh, we'll say this one is going to be our Thanksgiving episode, but I, I guess the Thursday. They could kind of both be. I guess way, they both almost, are yeah. with it being Thursday. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but it is Monday, November 22nd. We are here. Jordan Lorenz. Speaking in the microphone, you just heard from Drew Skyberg back in town today. It is Saturday as we are recording, so there's going to be no Badger talk, no Packer talk. However, we have a lot of other things to get to, including the most important bit of business. But first, just got to give the plugs. Jordan Drew underscore sports crew on the Instagram. We're over 300 followers. How about it? Yeah, we're at 309. We appreciate Robert Schimmick. He gave us a, a nice shout out. For the football or the, the basketball previews we did. So that really boosted our following. So thank you again, Robert Schimmick, for that shout out. Yeah. So we had a very busy last week. Wednesday, Patrick Baldwin Jr. You get some good feedback on that. I've actually gotten some great reviews from that. And I really appreciate all the support we've gotten because that came up. Quick little story here, Jordan. Don't want to take the mic, but 24 hours before that, it wasn't even 24 hours. It was like, let's say 16 hours, 18 hours, something, something. Short time notice, get a note, get an email from the guy. He's telling me, uh, we have a time slot open for two o'clock tomorrow. And if you if you're able to do it, great. If you can't, you're waiting until mid-December. So I was like, I had I had a lab at two o'clock, talked, talked about it, said I had something, I had something very important come up, and I was able to come in later for the lab, still finished on time, and I think I did pretty well in the lab. So I got to credit PBJ for giving me the motivation to go in there and do my survey of meteorology lab. So I really appreciate doing that interview and it was fun. It really was. I was a little nervous. I'm sure you guys could tell I just started it off, but it was certainly, I don't know. That was the best interview I've ever done in my life. So like, so I, I'm really happy. So yeah, I agree. And it's like everything you've been, all the interviews you've been doing, all your college spotlights led to this one. And we finally got it. So we got to figure out another goal. We got to figure out something else. What's our next big thing planned? But I mean, it was very professional business to get to PBJ with all the emails we had to go, you had to go through and then get our list of questions kind of broken down and split in half, basically made it a lot more basic than we wanted. But hey, it was just great to have the guy on. I had someone swipe up on my story and they said PBJ question mark. And I didn't respond because if you don't know who PBJ is, that's your fault. So we can't thank you guys enough for listening to that. If you haven't, go back and listen. It'll always be there. Probably our favorite one we've done. I know it's Drew's favorite. That's for sure. And then days after Thursday, last week, Thursday, EWC girls basketball preview with Robert Chimick. And then last Friday, EWC boys basketball preview. So are you ready for the high school basketball season? I really am. I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be a lot of great games this year. I'm looking forward to Valor's boys basketball, as you could hear in the podcast. I'm just really looking forward to that Valor's team. They're really exciting this year. I mean, Olsen, Hovey, and there's with the, with the others. I mean, it's going to be a great, great year. The big three, as I called them way back when we started. So that was always a fun time. But yeah, other than that, I didn't, I didn't get to listen to those yet. I apologize, but I'll get them done eventually. December 7th is the first game I announced. That's at New Holstein, Roncalli and New Holstein. So that's a far one. Is that boys? That is boys. Yep. So Roncalli, New Hosting Boys, December 7th. We'll keep you updated on my schedule as we get going. Facebook, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. We are on there as long as YouTube. Obviously, is this our first time announcing that our new logo has been switched over? This would be. Uh, do you want to take care? Or do you want me? I'll, I'll just real quick. So it was your idea for the most part, but let me explain. So when we got 
um, Donnie Cartier, I believe was his name. When he made the logos back for us, he made a basic one, which is like what you see on our, our first shirts. It was just that white logo with the red letters, red trim as I give the colors of the game here. So there was those. And then he also gave us that blue logo, which we guys, which we used early on. That was like the first one we used. It was blue and yellow for the Brewers because he obviously knew we were from Wisconsin. I gave him just like a brief synopsis. And then he also made us a green one, which we kind of just had in our back pocket, never really used it. It was green and yellow. And Drew was like, this is perfect. Box time, Packer time. Let's switch to the green logo. We did. I think it looks beautiful. Yeah, I'm really glad we did, Jordan. I think it, I think it really complements, I mean, what we talk about. We're talking we're talking the football and basketball season right now. So why not switch over to our hometown teams? It just makes sense. So. I would love a red logo for some Badgers. Red's my favorite color, obviously, but I feel like a red logo would look nice. Maybe I'll hit them up. I don't want to be rude, though. So, hey, either way, we got ourselves a new logo. It'll be like probably six months a piece or maybe like eight months and four months, but we'll figure it out. When the time comes, it'll get switched right back to the blue. Maybe some new merch with these logos as well. We'll have to see. Speaking of merch, the hoodies are in allied shirts has come through they're not the shout out of the week quite yet full disclosure we are missing five extra large of the navy hoodies they didn't have them so it said they got shipped but they are not here so i apologize if you are one of the five people who bought the navy extra large hoodies i'm gonna pull up your name right now and i'm gonna apologize to you right here firsthand on the podcast five extra large navies grant bain isaac ferguson dan bryce and barry and Kim Dietrich. I sincerely apologize to you for not getting those hoodies, but yesterday Drew did some delivering. I'll be getting some out as well, but I mean, hoodies are here. We'll be posting some pictures soon of people with their hoodies and everything. First impression, they weren't perfect, but they're growing on me, and I think they're I think they're mightily fine. Yeah, I, I really like the sweatshirts, and at first I was a little on the fence like you, Jordan, but just looking at them now, and I'll, I'll be repping a um it would have been yesterday because we're gonna get some deliveries out. So I, I'm gonna be, I'm looking forward to it. And the only thing was you'll see it when you get your hoodies, but like the letters were colored in, which we weren't really aware of before it happened. But I went and looked back and on like the design I sent them after like I got you didn't you didn't really get like a mock-up before they sent them, but in like the visual they sent when I saved the design, they were colored in. So it looked better on when it was saved, but hey. They're here. I think they're beautiful. All three colors are here. I actually think the white might look the best out of the bunch, which is crazy because I said, who wants a white hoodie? But I think they look very good. They pop. And then we got our black and navy as well. We did get an extra large, an extra comma large black hoodie. So if you want a large black hoodie, let us know. We have an extra and we have a few extras of others as well. So that is all I believe. I don't think I have anything else. Do you? I don't. Let's get to some shout outs of the week. Yes. So our shout out, like we said, it's not to Allied this week, not until everything gets fixed and we get them in. They said one to two weeks, hopefully on the hoodies. Oh, we also have to say in the first email, guaranteed delivery date of November 18th. I got an email last weekend saying that they're going to be delayed. They got here on November 18th. They weren't even delayed. So my goodness, Allied shirts really came through in that regard. But now it's time for our shout out of the week. And it goes to a Manitowoc Lincoln swimmer. That's right. We are shouting out Morgan Meyer. Morgan Meyer is a swimmer from Lincoln High School, and she is now going to Northern Iowa. A UNI Panther is Morgan Meyer. I mean, this is pretty huge. I know someone who goes to UNI actually at this point in time, but not for swimming, that's for sure. So it's just really cool to see a swimmer, one of the most decorated swimmers in school history, 
as what Brian Norton actually told me, but she is going to UNI. So that is very, very nice to see. I mean, swimming, that's just, you got to be in tip top shape to do that. And especially to get an offer like that and go to UNI. Great stuff all around. And you have one as well? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make a co-shout out to the week, but I got to shout this guy out as well. Luke Gedeke from Valor's High School received an invite to the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And this is big because, I mean, when, when you get into the Senior Bowl as a college or as an NFL prospect, I mean, that's something that instantly boosts your draft stock. So this is really big right now for, for Gedeke, a tackle from from the Central Michigan Chippewa football team. So really looking forward to seeing him in the Senior Bowl. I'll be watching and wishing Luke the best right now because, I mean, everything's going his way right now. And hopefully we can see him get drafted as well. That's really a goal of his and um he certainly has the skills and the talent to do so fingers are crossed we really hope that does become a reality as for morgan Vire, i finally found this post on c hafer it says Meyer's one of the most decorated swimmers to ever dive into the pool at lincoln as she currently holds the swim school record in the 200 yard freestyle that time also earned her a 10th place finish at state while she also finished 15th in the 100-yard freestyle. So that is great to see for Morgan Meyer. Congratulations to both of you. Almost co-shout-outs of the week. We can call it. Now it is time for the stats of the week. Stacked. We got a few of them here. And this one, I don't want to say it was outdated. It says in the first sentence, the Cy Young winners will be awarded on Wednesday. But the big part of it, in 2021, Corbin Burns became the first qualified pitcher in baseball's modern era since 1900 to rank top three in MLB in strikeouts per nine, walks per nine, and home runs per nine. So Corbin Burns, we will be talking about him soon enough, but my goodness, he was just decorated to say the least. BYU college basketball, 32-point win. It's the largest margin of victory over a ranked opponent in the AP poll era goes back to 1948-49. BYU is the first unranked team with a 30-point win away from home, road or neutral site, they say, over a top 15 opponent since November 29th, 1993. So that is a big win there. We'll be talking some more college basketball. This one, Drew, I know you'll have something to say. Chris Middleton passed Ray Allen for the most three-pointers made in Bucks franchise history. So good for Middleton. But I know some people were saying Ray Allen did it in less years. But I mean, hey, passing it is really all that matters. Chris Middleton is good. I have a shirt. I actually see guys in Milwaukee with the same shirt that I wear. So it's pretty cool. He's good. He's good to say the least. That's an understatement. How about this Thursday? So we're going, what, three, four days ago. Steph Curry's third career 40-point game with one or no free throw attempts actually passed Clay Thompson for the most in NBA history. 40-point game with one or no free throw attempts. This was the second time he did it this November. So, I mean, absolutely insane for Steph Curry. That Warriors team is hot. 14-2, and I believe, as of Friday night. Yeah, they are running the NBA right now. Very good team in the Bay Area. Mac Jones. This is not in the Bay Area. This is New England. First rookie quarterback in NFL history to complete 80% of his passes in back-to-back games. This is a little misleading because Mac Jones throws like 18 passes a game. I mean, he's like 16 of 18 or like 18 of 20. He doesn't have to throw the ball a lot. He's got some weapons, but they've just been able to pound the ball lately and do some great things. Your episode last week, we didn't talk about it. Zach, fantasy football. Chris Carson is now out for the year. So if you want to give Zach an AA plus for his trade with me, you can certainly do so. I wasn't here to defend myself. I... So every year this happens, whenever I'm bad in a league, I just make all these trades. I just make crazy trades to try and do anything 
to get my team back in shape. The Eckler one certainly hurt me, but I don't think I would have been anywhere near the top anyways. So it really didn't matter. In my opinion, I've got Rogers now who has a toe injury. Gronk seems like he's finally coming back. I still like my trade with Devin. I think I won that easily because Baker Mayfield is just not a good fantasy quarterback. And I don't think he got anything good in return. So that's all I really have to say to defend myself. But last stat of the week, hockey. That's right. We are going to, we'll talk about it actually in a little bit when we get to it. The Calgary Flames are the first team to post six shutouts within their first 17 games since the 1938-39 Bruins. So we're going back a long time. Calgary Flames, they are up there this year as we will discuss the date today, November 22nd. On this day in history, let's go to 1908. The first U.S.-Japanese baseball game as the Reach All-Americans defeat Waseda U 5 to nothing. On this day, 1945, Jim Benton, Cleveland end, gains 303 yards, which is an NFL record. This next one is going to be interesting. On this day, 1950, 7,021 people, very low attendance, probably high at the time, though. See, the lowest NBA score is the Wayne Pistons beat the Minneapolis Lakers 19 to 18. What a game. Yeah, it was quite a game. And at the Basketball Hall of Fame, they talk about this game. They were their strategy. Wait, did, didn't the Lakers lose that game? Yes. They lost that game. They were heavily favored. So what the, what, what the, was it Detroit? Yeah, Wayne Pistons. Yeah, the, the Detroit, Fort Wayne Pistons. Uh, what they did, they, there's no shot clock. This game actually is what caused the shot clock to be implemented because their strategy to beat this really talented Lakers team was to just hold the ball the whole game. So they, they stalled the whole game. That's so boring. And, Fans were booing, and they they had, they won because of it. Because they their goal was to have, I believe, was this in the 50, 40s or 50, 50. 50. So I don't know if Elgin Baylor was playing, but there was guys of his caliber who they were trying to really just take the balls the ball out of their hand. And by doing that, I mean they kept the ball in their hands. So they, they ended up winning from that. So that's how the shot clock is in the NBA today. Yeah, I mean that's just 19 to 18. Good lord. I mean, you see that easily double that in the first quarter sometimes and it doesn't need to say Fort Wayne Pistons I don't know how I went missed that but let's go six years later on this day in 1956 Bill Sharman of Boston begins a free throw streak of 55 games so does this mean he got to the line 55 games in a row does this mean he made a free throw 55 games in a row I'm a little, I'm a little confused I take it he made 55 straight free free throws yeah I don't know that's how I, I would take that as a I don't know, but it was a little little up there. But anyways, we'll move on three more years on this day in 1959. The AFL's first draft as the New York Titans choose George Izzo, quarterback of Notre Dame on this day in 1972. Another hockey one here in Pittsburgh. The Penguins set an NHL record, scoring the fastest five goals. They scored five goals in two minutes and seven seconds as they beat the St. Louis Blues 10 to four. I was gone last week, as you all know. And one of the things I did was target, target, toured target field in Minneapolis. And they were talking about how the wild are playing there on December, January 1st, New Year's Day. I cannot wait for that game. They just released tickets. So, and like the highest nosebleeds, right? Like 327 or something. Very last row, $275 a ticket not even including fees. I mean, this game is sold, sold out. It's going to bring so much money to Minneapolis, and it is going to be huge. New Year's Day, 6 p.m. Last thing on this day, 20-year-old Mike Tyson becomes the youngest heavyweight champion in boxing history. He stops Trevor Burbick in round number two 
in Las Vegas to win the WBC title. 20 years old. How about it for the one and only Mike Tyson? That's all we got. I appreciated the Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm one last week. Great job including that. But otherwise, that's all we got, guys. A little sentimental this week because this is the final time we get to use our stamps.com ad. So for the last time, unless somehow we get it back with advertised cast now, I mean, there's a merger of stuff happening. We won't get into all that. But as of right now, this is the last time you're going to hear our stamps.com ad. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in office sending invoices, a side hustle on Etsy, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. That's it. No special supplies or equipment, and within minutes, you're up and running printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. You'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool. You can compare shipping rates and timeliness to easily find the best option. Save money and time with Stamps.com. Guys, there's no risk, and with our promo code POD, you'll get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in P-O-D. One more time, our promo code is P-O-D at stamps.com. Never go to the post office again, thanks to stamps.com. Beautiful job there, stamps.com. Promo code P-O-D. Don't forget to use it. I don't know if that code expires here after November 27th is the final date. So actually a week from today when we are recording, but this coming Saturday, I believe it's the last time you can use that promo code POD. So let's get right into a weekly sports talk segment. We're kicking it off this past Thursday. I was at Camp Randall, baby. I was in Madison, me, Brian Norton, and Scotty. We were all there for Reedsville, defeating Coleman, shutting him out seven to nothing, an absolute beating the Panthers put on the Cougars. And I was just, honestly, I was shocked to see this, right? Reedsville didn't throw the ball a single time. They ran, they ran, they ran, they ran. Brennan Duracek, 30 carries, 133 yards with a touchdown in the game. Weston Leapsite, 11 carries, 77 yards. Leapsite had a huge interception. Talked about it on the broadcast. I really questioned some of the play calling for Coleman. So, Drew, I'm going to explain this to you. This is a run-heavy offense. Their quarterback is Noah Noskovic. He threw the ball just 21 times in the first four playoff games, okay? In comparison to Rachek, threw it 16 times for Reedsville. But Noskovic only threw 21 times in the first four playoff games. They come into this game. First of all, first possession, blocked punt. Reesville gets the ball at the eight-yard line. One play, they score. 7-0 lead right out of the gate. Huge mistake for Coleman. Then a bit later on, they get all the way down to the five-yard line. It's first and goal. Reesville's defense shut them out. They did not allow Coleman to get inside. Fourth and goal from the two, stuffed them. Let's go a little bit later in the game. I believe it was 14-0 at this time. Coleman again at the three-yard line this time. First and goal, they run play action and throw an interception. This is a run-heavy offense, and they completely risked it for no reason at all. That 
totally cost them. Could have changed the game. I don't remember if it was 7 nothing or 14 nothing at the time. But then we go later, second half, fumble. Reedsville jumps on it later on. Third down and one. This is later in the third quarter. Coleman with a chance to march down the field. You know what happens? Third down and one. They throw a bubble screen. Lose four yards. It's fourth and five, which they can't convert on. I just really question the play calling of Coleman in this game. I called it over coaching on the air, you know, just trying to be too pretty. But man, I really, I didn't understand it at all. It kind of cost Coleman the game, but man, good for Reedsville. First ever state appearance. They come home with a state championship. Yeah, congrats to the Reedsville Panthers. I mean, they earned it. They have some great players on the team. I mean, what was it? Dracek. Yeah. And then, of course, Ebert as well. Both those guys. I mean, they're. They're well-known players around the area in football, and congrats to them. I mean, it was on Bally Sports, too. They got, got made their appearance on TV, made the most of it. So go Reedsville. I mean, yeah, and as everyone was saying, it was just good to have State back at Camp Randall. I was there last time they had it for Keel, who got shut out 35 nothing to Catholic Memorial. We'll go to their score in a second. Reedsville is D7. D6, Colby defeats St. Mary Springs 22-7. to I don't understand how two lost teams get to state St. Mary Springs managed to do so. They ended up losing, but States for the land of the undefeated, right? But for St. Mary Springs to make it with two losses, Brian Norton is not a fan of them. However, you got to give it up to them, making it to state with two losses. As for D five Aquinas beats Mayville 28, 26. That's a very good game in D five setting up Catholic Memorial beating Ellsworth 21 to 12 in D four. Also, I should note you can get Reedsville, championship apparel they have a shirt and a hoodie i believe so if you just look up reedsville champion apparel store i'm sure you'll be able to find it otherwise go to wia football and then you can click the link from there then we go to friday's action d3 Pawaki right away 10 a.m again they beat rice lake 15 to 6 wanakee beats homestead 33 21 i mean 14 and 0 wanakee beats 11 and 3 homestead so homestead losing there and then franklin 40 or 40 38 to 17 beats sun prairie in the d1 game none of these games were really close kind of surprising no it really wasn't i mean we look at d3 with milwaukee and rice like that was the close that was one of the closer ones surprise the memorial game was as close as it was considering how dominant that team was throughout this whole year 21 12 i mean they still my nine but it, it's a lot closer than one would expect who I mean, with that Memorial team, they were flat out dominant this whole year. Yeah, they're unreal. They threw the ball 15 times. So let's say two interceptions, nine of 15 with two picks from Rory Fox. Wow. Threw for a touchdown. So those obviously led some of it. They didn't have a rusher over 100, which I mean, this is interesting. I was looking at stuff for state because you never know what's going to happen. But good job there. Catholic Memorial, as we expected to get the job done. And here we are, Marquette undefeated. They played yesterday, so hopefully they're 6-0 and on the year. But they just beat West Virginia 82-71. Huge come-from-behind win. Made them 5-0 and on the year. They've now won 88-77, 75-70, 67-66. 70, the huge upset win over the Illini, 78-72 over Old Miss, and 82-71 over West Virginia. But Drew, Shaka Smart beats... Illinois by one point. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah, that was quite the game to kick off Shaka Smart's coaching career as a Golden Eagle. And with that game, I mean, Kofi, Co- Kofi Cokeburn, he was out that game. And then plus uh, one of their other prominent players, I, I 
name escapes me right now. Uh, he, We're he had, still learning this team. It's a lot of new names. For well, this is for the Lion Eye. He had seven turnovers. Um, worst game of his life, and he was one of those guys who they need to step up in order for them to overcome that deficit. And they they couldn't. I mean, Marquette they had that last second big end one, missed the free throw, but they got the stop. They won. And yeah, they're five and all right. This is one of the better Marquette teams I've seen in a long time. And it, like, they don't have this experience. I mean, they got a few guys, but they're really young and they just, they really play well together. And just want to highlight sh- or shout Shaka, Shaka smart. I mean, he could have been shout of the week too. Like oh, just watching him coach this five and oh golden Eagles team. He is, he's jumping up and down. He's doing the jumping jacks. He's, He's in the game. Like he, I've never seen a coach so engaged in the game. It's like he's, it's like he's in his own a student section of his own. He is just in the game, and it is so fun to watch. And this Marquette team, I, they're fun to watch. Like if you can watch some of their games, please go and watch them. Even like people are starting to recognize this team as well. They're they're seen right now on the athletic. They're recognizing them. Number eleven right now is where they put them. Even and they they're unranked right now. So. They'll be ranked after when we, on Monday. We'll see them be ranked, but everything's looking up for this Marquette team. And yeah, they have easier games coming up. And then, of course, they have my favorite kind of game, December fourth at eleven thirty a.m. It's it's called Rivalry Day, and us Golden Eagle fans will be definitely rooting for yet another year of beating Wisconsin. So, Jordan, I'll pass it back to you. But go Marquette. I mean, for Marquette to beat Wisconsin two years in a row, would it be two years, or would it be more than two years in a row? It would be two years in a row, I believe. Yeah, so last year they got the real last-second win with that. I mean, that was just insane. But So here they are, hopefully looking to beat Wisconsin, a team that just absolutely crushed my UW-Green Bay Phoenix. But Green Bay is tough right now. So anything else for Marquette, or should we move to the Horizon League? Let's move to some Horizon League. And ah, Okay. Makes me sad. Makes me sad. It really does. We'll talk about my Green Bay Phoenix real quick. 0-4 on the year. I mean, they're just... This is the exact same thing that happened last year with Will Ryan as the coach. They started like 0-8, 0-9, somewhere around there. And then they turned it around, got to maybe a 500-ish team, if I can remember correctly. But here they are, 0-4 to start this year. They're up. They're two teams they were winning at halftime, and they just can't finish games. But the Milwaukee Panthers just suffered a real bad loss to Florida, 81-45. Not competitive at all, but with these non-con games, playing very tough teams, one of which was Eastern Kentucky, only lost by six, 77-71. Not the worst loss in the world for this Panther team. They got a few more games coming up on the 23rd. Bowling Green, I think that's a winnable game, along with Alcorn State five days later. Alcorn State has yet to win a game at the time of a recording. So still non-con games. Some of them, they're named schools, obviously. Everyone's heard of Bowling Green. I don't know if everyone's heard of Alcorn State, but I think this Panther team is just going to get through these non-con games. They're still not ranked too high in the Horizon League, as you said, but I think they can move their way up. Yeah, they they aren't. And like you mentioned, that Florida loss, that was number 24 Florida. So they lost to a ranked team in the nation. So I mean, you can't really complain. Granted, it was in blowout fashion, but yeah, things are looking. I mean, the next two non-con games, they're certainly winnable. But Horizon League play, they're projected fourth right now in the conference, which isn't ideal. As we know, in order to make the big dance, you got to win the Horizon League. So you got to win that tournament. And this is just not looking good for this Panthers team. It's there, There's a few concerns. I mean, especially um, just, just with how they're playing together as a unit, they're a young team. And you can certainly see sometimes that happen. Like you can just see the young, the young team in them and just 
I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping for the best for this Milwaukee team, but certainly they, they've looked pretty sloppy to start the year, but they can always turn it around. There's there's time. I mean, there, there's always some time here, but they got to get their stuff together for Horizon League play, Jordan, because that's that really matters this year for this Panther team. We can't wait for Horizon League play coming up very, very soon. Speaking of, I just want to move to volleyball real quick. Green Bay takes the loss. They're now out for the season. I got to call a few of those games. They lose three games to two to UIC. So losing that one, going all five, they lost 25-19, then won 25-22, 25-20. They were up two sets to one and then lost 25-21 and 15-7 to end it. That All of those are at Milwaukee, actually. Milwaukee getting to host Horizon League Volleyball. I feel like they host everything. Maybe not the Horizon League basketball tournament, though. So it's just tough to see Green Bay go out on the year. I'll be helping out for some basketball games, doing camera or whatever they need over at the Crest or Rush Center, and then hopefully announcing some softball as we get back into it for Green Bay. So uh, do we have anything else or is it Bucks time? Let's go to the Bucks. This Bucks team finally has everyone back. We just talked about Middleton passing Ray Allen, and here we go. The Bucks have their big three back. Just beat the Thunder 96-89. to They play the Magic on Saturday. Hopefully get the job done there. That would be a very bad loss to the Magic. And then they play the Magic again tonight. So two games against the Magic, both at home, both on Bally Sports. Wisconsin on the 26th or on NBA TV against the Nuggets. So be sure to stay tuned to that one. The Lakers game is the big one we wanted to talk about, though. 47 points from Giannis Antetokounmpo. 109-102 win over the Lakers. That's a huge win against two teams who are really struggling around the 500 mark. It really is. And both of them um, just, I mean, there's injuries going on with both teams. And it's, it's a big win for the Bucks to get over a team like the Lakers with Westbrook Davis and LeBron. So, I'm. I mean, things are go, looking up for this Bucks team, like you said. Middleton's back. Hopefully, Lopez soon. I'm not. Oh, oh, I clicked something wrong here. But just we're hoping to have the full team back because right now um, there's still some guys who are out. Come on, it's not loading, of course, but it's okay. Try it now. We're all we're all good, and the Bucks. Hey, they go. are. Oh, that's not what I want either. Oh, it's okay. Man. Technical difficulties here on the podcast. What about Grayson Allen, though, coming off the bench? Is he going to be off the bench now? Is that going to, like, inflate his ego a little bit? I'm not sure. I mean, Grayson Allen, four for nine we saw of him from like, the Thunder game. He's still got 29 minutes, so I, I'm not too worried about how Allen will perform. But, yeah, Lopez is still out is what I wanted to mention, and there's still some other guys. I mean, we didn't even see Nora or Mamu Kalashvili play in that game, but... And of course, Steven Chenzo being out as well. So, nasty when he's yeah, out. he should be back, I thought, in the next month. Um, we're waiting for Steven Chenzo and Lopez, basically, was the two guys I want to mention. Thankfully, Google worked, but yeah, go Bucks. Yeah, technical difficulties with the live podcast, but we got it there. So that's all. And now we're going to end with some baseball talk before we get to trivia. I mean, this was the big one here in the AL MVP, unanimous. Shohei Otani, I'm going to be honest, I was a little surprised to see it was unanimous, but Otani deserved it nonetheless. I wasn't surprised. The media, remember media guys vote, there's 15 people for the, there's a total of 30 writers who vote for each league and each team gets represented by two different voters or writers. So I I would have expected all the 30, as you can look through the names of some of the guys who are, who are the voters on this committee and it's just the me. I, I, the way the media um, with Shohei Otani, I, I just 
he was the MVP. I mean, he, I think he was the unanimous MVP either way, but just I, I it wasn't a surprise to me based on the way he was shown all year as as the, the MVP. And I mean, he, he performed like the MVP, even though his team did not have the success. Yeah, no, his team certainly did not. But Otani definitely led him the way. Vladimir Guerrero second, as you would expect there. 420 points for Otani, 269 for Guerrero. And then Semyon had 232 I don't think anyone expected Semyon to win MVP, that's for sure. But it was definitely between Otani and Guerrero, and Otani got the job done. So now look over to the NL side. Really, Thomas got eight points. Corbin Burns got nine points, but didn't matter for any of the Brewers because Bryce Harper is the NL MVP. 348 points for him. Juan Soto second with 274, and then Tatis, 244 points behind 17 first-place votes. For Harper and then just six first place votes for Juan Soto. Bryce Harper, you expected this as well? Yeah, I think both MVPs, I, I, they were pretty easy for me to decide this year. I thought obviously Otani was the most obvious MVP we've had in a while. And then Bryce Harper as well being, I mean, he had put up a great year. And I'm glad the writers recognized it with 17 first place votes to the second one, sixth. And we just have to highlight, there's um there's a ballot I saw with um the same guy. He put, um he had, Brandon Crawford as his first place vote getter for the MVP. And then his third, his third place vote getter, because you each you get a vote when you your ballot is you choose a first place, second place, third place, fourth. You go to ninth place, basically, or tenth place. And um he had Tyler O'Neill as his third. I saw this. So so that one third, that was that was this writer. The writer did he had Crawford and he had O'Neill, one and three. So and it was a guy from San Francisco. So there, there's some backlash because this is made public who they vote for, yes. and rightfully so. I mean, when you make decisions like this, I want to see who's making these decisions. So I am I am shocked that a ballot went through with that on. So, yeah. This is like for all my UFC fans out there, after a big fight, when it goes to a decision and they release the scorecards, they do it in boxing as well. So you can see what judge scored what. And if they were like biased one way or completely stupid, same situation here. No way. Tyler O'Neill deserves a third place vote. He had 62 points, which is really not even close to Bryce Harper. So Freddie Freeman also had 43 points in the MLB MVP voting, but it's all about the Cy Young Awards. Robbie Ray of the Blue Jays wins the AL Cy Young Award. 29 first place votes. Garrett Cole had one, and then it was just flip-flopped. Robbie Ray had one second place vote. Garrett Cole had 29. It was a clear Robbie Ray MVP or Cy Young performance, I should say, 207 points for him, 123 for Cole. Next closest, Lance Lynn with 48. So, I mean, we're looking at a dominant, dominant performance by Robbie Ray. Truly deserved by Robbie Ray. I mean, the whole year he was he was dominant. He had one month. I, I it was he was just lights out and just what a great acquisition for the Blue Jays. And he's gonna, I mean. I, they're gonna hopefully they can keep him. I mean, he's he is something else, and just the way he his strikeout numbers for a starting pitcher as a lefty, just phenomenal. And I just I pointed out, I'm just showing Jordan right now. Rasiel Iglesias from the Angels, a reliever who was he was for the Angels, and he was on the Reds and just didn't work out there. And he went over to Los Angeles. He got a fifth place vote, and we're gonna look who did this because this is the stuff I'm talking about. Why? Do we? Oh, oh, Dave Scretta from the eight from AP representing the Royals went ahead and thought it'd be funny to give Rossiel Iglesias. Like, see, like this, this stuff shouldn't be happening. If you're a writer and you have a vote and you waste even a fifth place vote on something like this, like, I mean, this is a joke. 
it, that's all it is. He, you know exactly what you're doing when you're putting that in. So I don't understand. Maybe he won't get a vote next year. But like you said, even though it's one vote, one vote could matter. It certainly came close in the NL. But other thing I did want to mention is right here. It says this is the second runner up finish for Cole. Who with the Houston Astros in 2019 ran second to then teammate Justin Verlander. Verlander, one year, $25 million deal. Uh, that's far too much money for just one year. It's just the Verlander Jordan that's and far too much the money. Ah, uh, you know, I'm you got to keep Verlander, and I, if that's the price that starting pitchers are going to go for, which we'll grade some next week. We'll go into the the deals and stuff like with the Barrios extension. We'll, we'll highlight all that next week. Focus more on the free agency, but right now we just want to talk awards. So we'll we'll talk. We'll debate that one next week. Far too much money. You can't convince me otherwise. It's Corbin Burns, NL. Cy Young winner. This was close. I watched it live on the MLB network. They had all three of them there and they weren't in person, obviously, but you had Scherzer, Wheeler and Burns all on whatever zoom, whatever you want to call it. Families in the background. They were talking to him, interviewing 12 first place votes for both Burns and Wheeler, which is crazy. But then it came down to second place votes. Burns 14 to nine edges out Wheeler. Wheeler had more third place votes and fourth place votes. Four to one in fourth place, four to three in third place, but it came down to those second place votes. And my God, Corbin Burns is a Cy Young baby. Cy Burns, it is, and I'm really happy for Burns. It was well deserved. It shouldn't have been this close. And I, I am shaking my head right now. How Corbin Burns? He got a fourth place vote, and I think that's absurd. I don't know how you can look at that and manage to give Corbin Burns a fourth place. Oh, well, let's look who it is, Jordan. Let's a, we're gonna find this person, and I will. Right there it is. It is Dennis Lynn. Oh, shocker from the Padres. And so he went Wheeler, Bueller, Scherzer. He went, how do you put Bueller ahead of Scherzer? That's no, man. At least he gave Woody a vote. He gave, okay, he gave Woodruff a vote, but really? I'm I'm shocked that you can put Burns four and try to justify that based on even numbers. If you just look at, even if someone like that, if they look at just their simple stats like ERA, Maybe he looks at wins still. I bet he's, he's, a, probably, I bet he's, he's a wins guy. A win guy. He's a wins guy. We know it. That's that's how this usually works. But I mean, I'm I'm happy with um, Woodruff getting some votes, like you said. I mean, Woodruff ended up finishing fifth, like well deserved, and Burns won. So yay! I can't complain at all. 17 fifth place votes for Woodruff, two fourth place votes, which is nice to see. But Scherzer got six first place votes, just this half of what Burns and Wheeler got respectively 13 third place votes for Scherzer. I feel like they definitely nailed the order. 151 points for Burns, 141 for Wheeler, 113 for Scherzer, and then 70 for Bueller. So, I mean, it was still a pretty tight race, like Drew said, though. I think it was a lot closer than it should have been. However, maybe there were a lot of wins, guys. I think Burns is like the pitcher with the second fewest wins to ever win the Cy Young or something crazy like that. But Wins and losses don't matter. Burns pitched an absolutely beautiful season. Cy Burns it is. Jacob deGrom got a fifth place vote. That's out of pity, right? Yeah. I mean, for what he was doing before he got hurt, uh, it makes sense. But yeah. I okay. That's uh, that's okay to me. I mean, that's a sympathy vote right there. But it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because, oh, here it is. DeGrom of the Athletic from Arizona. Zach Buchanan is the one who voted for DeGrom. He, oh, he had Burns second. So that makes sense. He was one of the people who gave Woody a fourth round vote or fourth place vote. So good for him. But I mean, this is a big sigh of relief. We were waiting all this time for this to finally happen. And here it is. Burns is finally 
the Cy Young winner, such a quick turnaround too. Everyone wanted to count him out with that terrible season he had. And now here it is. And this next part's all drew about a little lockout potentially here in the major leagues. Yeah, potentially I Jordan, this, this is going to happen. So which, which this sucks. Um, so there hasn't been a work stoppage as we know, 26 years since that like 94, 95 strike. And Right now, they're working on a deal, and things are not going the way for either team or for either of the note parties negotiating in this because the CBA expires 11.59 p.m. Eastern on December 1st, and a new deal is not already agreed to. The owners are going to lock out the players, which is going to freeze the normal offseason proceedings like free agency. So that would suck for us because our free agency talks might not happen yet. And I'm hurting our podcast. The only way that this would interrupt games is with spring training starts in early February. And then of course, regular season end of March, but right now, um, yeah, Manfred, he's talking Rob Manfred, which is, um, an interesting commissioner, not well liked Uh -uh. to say the least. Um, is there a commissioner that is well liked though is the question. No, but there's one like they, some are more liked than others. And this, this one's certainly not liked at all. So, um, he talks about how he was involved in these lockouts in the in the 90s and the 94, 95 and how he's going to do his best to make sure this doesn't happen. But right now it sounds um, interesting because the owners, they remain very interested in the pitch timer experience. And so that's, that's going to be a thing that the parties are a little bit disagreeing on. One thing that I did see you in arbitration hearings, Jordan, they want to use, they want war to be used. They want... Really? Wins above replacement used as determining player pay in the pl- in place of the current arbitration system. So no in way. place of so that is something. Come on, you think the players are going to agree to that? I hate war. And why would you use stats to that high of regard? It doesn't even make sense. I don't know. I I myself I'm a war fan. Like I'm a fan of um, wins above replacement. Right, but it's so just war. something to look at. It doesn't determine anything. It's, it's not. Number. It's not everything. No. Yeah. It tries to make a number that's everything, which it's a great stat to look at in summer. Like it's a great stat to look at, but it's there, there's more. So I hope that's not everything they use, but um, just looking through everything else. They also want to highlight um, the decision because with the CBA, there's going to be more like with a split city plan, of course, with Tampa moving, being in both Florida and Montreal. And then the A's are also exploring Vegas too. So there's a lot of things going on in the baseball in the off season, but, What's going to happen is what I, what I think is going to happen. There's going to be a lockout. It, sound, it sounds like the lockout, it, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. So uh, we're going to see this lockout to start to, in December, and it's a matter of how long it lasts, basically. I, I hope it doesn't last long, but the parties have been talking like this whole season. Like uh, in April and May, they started making their first round of proposals, and then it was countered in August, and then players countered in October. And then, and then since then, MLB made another revised proposal, and yeah, like but like I mentioned, the wins above replacement thing remains an issue. So we'll wait and see what happens. But right now, Jordan, it's not looking good for baseball. That's sad. I mean, it's sad, but what are you going to do at this point? Maybe the lockout's needed to get things back on track. I really don't know. Hopefully it doesn't affect spring training or anything like that. I'll be in Phoenix in March, so better not be going on that long. Hopefully I can see a few games there. But let's go to a brand new segment. So for the first time ever. This is just going to be put me on the clock for two minutes or something like that. Hockey talk, baby. Let's do it. A bi-weekly segment where I just run through some hockey standings, some wild stats, and all of the above. Start the timer right now. Here we go in the Western Conference Central Division, the wild 
are sitting pretty up top. 11 and 5. Not even I expected them to be this good this year, but they have been starting hot at the time of recording. 11 and 5. Jets and Blues and Predators all behind them very closely. 9 and 4, 9 and 5, and 9 and 6, respectively, for those teams. Coyotes 2 and 13. I mean, the Coyotes are absolutely awful. I'll be seeing them play the Penguins when I go to um, Arizona in. And in the middle of March, thank you, Mr. Uncle Kevin, for that. We'll be seeing that game in the Pacific Division. Oilers 12 and 4, sitting atop that division. Calgary's 9 and 3. So you're looking at teams who aren't playing as many games. Golden Knights are 10 and 7. A little disappointing for Vegas, but the Kraken, your team, Drew, they're 4 and 12. They're not doing well at all. It is a very rough start. Well, they're 4, 12, and 1. I mean, you got to count that overtime loss as well, but only nine points on the year. Yikes, not looking good. For them, very competitive Atlantic division in the Eastern Conference, 12 and 2 Panthers, 12 and 5 Maple Leafs. So those teams are right in there. The Hurricanes are 13 and 2 in the Metropolitan Division. Caps are 10 and 2, and then 10 and 4 Rangers to wrap up the standings. I got a little time left, so we're going to look at the wild stats. Kaprizov, no surprise here, leader in points for the team. Just four goals, but 11 assists for him. Only player in double digits when it comes to assists. Ryan Hartman, 12 points, eight of those are goals. And then you flip-flop it for Zuccarello, 12 points, eight of those are in the assists. Felino and Fiala both have 10 points on the year. Eric Snack, EE, as I call him, Dumba. And Galicio had nine points. All three of those have nine. Spurgeon with eight. A lot of assist-heavy players. I mean, Dumba's got seven assists, just two goals. Spurgeon have five assists, just three goals. And real quick, before my time runs out, we'll look at Cam Talbot, nine and four on the year. He's been doing some great things. 2.85 goals allowed per game, 395 saves to 37 assists. And that wraps up Hockey Talk. That was right on the money. Two minutes. And it's basically exact. It was basically exact. That's all we'll say. So I can't wait. Hockey talk. It'll be my little two-minute segment each and every week. Is Each and every other week, we're going to do bi-weekly because there's no reason to talk about it weekly. So here we go. Trivia time. You're 32 of 45. And this is the final set of trivia. So here live in person, our first live edition of trivia. College Bowl Games 2021-2022. So here we go. First question, I mean, I might hit you if you get this one wrong. We're starting easy. What day does the Rose Bowl take place on? New Year's Day, January 1st. All right, there we go. I had to start easy, and we're going to work our way to the harder ones. Next question. Where does the Music City Bowl take place? Nashville. There you go. Two of two. Those are the easy ones to get out of the way. Now we got back-to-back true falses. True or false. There is a bowl game called the Lending Tree Bowl. True. There is indeed three of three. I like it. Next question. True or false? There's a bowl game called Cure COVID-19 Bowl. False. It is false. There's a bowl called the Cure Bowl. So there is a Q or Q C U R E Cure Bowl. Four of four. This is great. Next question. Who is sponsoring the inaugural LA Bowl? Is it Jimmy Kimmel? Is it Jimmy Fallon? Or is it Stephen Colbert? Jimmy Kimmel. Ding, ding, ding. A five. A five. He was worried about this one, folks. But my goodness. 37 out of 50 on Trivia Season 3 to wrap things up. That's a beautiful performance. 74% will take it. I'm, I'm looking forward to Season 4. That was a lot of fun, Jordan. For Season 3. I got to figure out season four. I haven't done anything for it yet. So I'll be getting busy this week, figuring out season four, what kind of topics we want. Let us know if you have any topics 
you would like to see discussed in season four of trivia, I'm all ears. I'm open to anything. I'll be flipping things around back and forth like we've been doing. Get some MVP winners, maybe get some more bowl games, maybe a part two. I mean, we'll have to see. But what an episode, episode 37 live at the Skyberg residence. And I think we covered it all. I don't know that I have anything else. Yeah, we covered it all. That's all we got. Show yourself over. You guys know the drill. Instagram, Twitter, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. Jordan Law underscore P-X-P. I posted a picture on Twitter of State. I could have posted a few more, but I gave them all to Ryan Brom to post on the WCUB Facebook. So I don't want to take credit for my own pictures. I'm not that way. But that's all we got, guys. Jordan Drew underscore sports crew on the Instagram. Um, Just real quick this week. Do we have we might possibly have Brett Damro on. But other than that, is it just a one to two episode week? We're looking at a one to two episode week on the podcast. So enjoy the th- your Thanksgiving weekend, everyone. Yeah, we're taking a little bit break. We're not going to overload you. We had a whole big week last week, PBJ and the two basketball previews. So catch up on those if you haven't already. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thank you all for listening to episode 37 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.